we alone in the universe? What is meant by alone? The usual assumption is that we are not alone if there is life on other planets. But I think that notion is misguided. If some icy vein in the Martian crust contains a form of extremophile bacteria, I'll be interested, but I won't feel any less alone. If I were the lone survivor of a shipwreck, eking out a living on some little desert island under a palm tree, the fact of the palm tree's living would do little to diminish my longing for company. The tree is not a conscious being. That is the important distinction. A dog would go a long way because it seems pretty likely that a dog is plenty conscious. We would, in a real and meaningful sense, be experiencing our island life together, me and the dog. We could be friends and allies, side by side. Remember in Castaway when Tom Hanks concocted his imaginary friend Wilson, a soccer ball with a face drawn on it? Hanks' character had a deep psychological need for a companion. He needed a sentient companion, not a living thing. A pineapple, being biological, makes no better an imaginary friend than a soccer ball. Tom Hanks wasn't pretending that Wilson was alive exactly. Life is not the key feature. He was pretending that Wilson was conscious. The universe is a physical thing, and the good news is that it seems to follow regular, consistent rules. If that weren't the case, the scientific method of discovery would be worthless. The advantages of science are that it overcomes bias on the part of the investigator and that it can be replicated. To be sure, in the past century we have made some strange discoveries about the physical nature of our universe, at least at tiny scales, but nevertheless the experiments can be and have been replicated time and again. To my thinking, a physical thing can be claimed to exist if and only if it makes a difference. It interacts with other physical things in some way or another. If we survey the universe around us, we do so by means of the naked eye or by some instrument that detects what the naked eye cannot. In his book Fundamentals, Frank Wilczek writes, quote, The primary tools in this endeavor are various kinds of telescopes. Besides the familiar telescopes that employ visible light, astronomers use telescopes that gather light from many other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, including radio waves, microwaves, infrared, ultraviolet, x-rays, and gamma rays, unquote. If it produces photons like a star, then we can see it. If photons bounce off of it like an asteroid or a planet, then we can see that. And given various telescopic technologies, we can detect it even when no light is emitted or reflected within the visible range of the spectrum. If it is indifferent to photons, then we will need some other means of detection. All of this is likewise for detections of the very small. There are plenty of phenomena that we are aware of in the universe. Generally, the phenomenon is something obvious. It's raining outside or the earth is shaking, or the sun has disappeared behind the moon. Scientific hypotheses are formulated and tested, and we learn more and more of the explanation over time. Other types of phenomena are claimed to exist, but fail under laboratory conditions. These might be telepathic communication, or ghosts, for example. The idea that ghosts are supernatural and therefore not physical makes no sense at all. If they can be seen, then they physically interact with light. Thus, if ghosts were real, they would not be supernatural. Either someone has seen a real, perfectly natural ghost, or ghosts are supernatural and have therefore never been seen. There must be a lot of would-be phenomena that we are unaware of. I'm not crossing my fingers for ghosts, but imagine a particle or a spectrum of waves which was, does not interact with matter or light. It is thus invisible. It can't be sensed or collected or picked up on a radar screen. Our science would be completely ignorant of this particle. It might exist, but it makes no difference to anything else we know to exist. It might interact with other particles or waves or God knows what, 
but we also don't have any means of detecting those. So it's at least conceivable that the universe of matter and energy that we've learned so much about through science coexists with a lot of other stuff that we will never discover. Such a conjecture is untestable, unfalsifiable, and therefore non-scientific. I claim for consciousness that it must be identifiable with something physical. Clearly conscious minds exist. The physical universe, at least some of its components, interact causally with it. The mind is affected in particular ways when physical things happen to physical cells hooked up physically to the brain. Ultimately, the physical structure of consciousness is associated with brain activity, the so-called neurocorrelates of consciousness. The gap in understanding is thus between functioning networks of neurons and contents of conscious experience. We know they are related, and we theorize about the nature of that relationship. Consciousness is unique among phenomena that science aspires to address. If none of us human animals were conscious, if it were not like something to be us, if we were nothing more than a complex biochemical machine acting in the world according to stimulus and response, the idea of consciousness would be preposterous. It would be like a ghost or a leprechaun. When the scientist showed up with the instruments, no phenomenon would manifest. Suppose that octopus had evolved brains that produced consciousness, but nothing of the kind ever occurred in mammals. In such a case, which I find a bit ludicrous, human beings might be driving cars and building cities and conducting orchestras mindlessly, while giant mollusks at the bottom of the sea enjoyed rich mental lives. In actual fact, I don't think humans could or would do the things they have done if they weren't conscious. Art becomes rather mysterious absent consciousness for one thing. Imagine comedy in a world where no one has ever had a sense of humor. Imagine philosophy in a world in which no one has ever wondered about anything. David Chalmers imagined in his book, The Conscious Mind, a world exactly like ours, but in which human beings were zombies. On the idea of a zombie version of himself living in a zombie world, he wrote, quote, What is going on in my zombie twin? He is physically identical to me and we may as well suppose that he is embedded in an identical environment. He will certainly be identical to me functionally. He will be processing the same sort of information, reacting in a similar way to inputs, with his internal configurations being modified appropriately and with indistinguishable behavior resulting." Unquote. This reasoning implies that consciousness makes no difference to human behavior. Whether it is like something to be a Mr. Lawrence Johnson, regional manager of a manufacturing outfit in Cleveland, or whether he is utterly non-conscious, he will nevertheless conduct his business, raise his children, and watch football on Sundays. The kid next door will say, Good morning, Mr. Johnson, and he will smile as he responds, Good morning. But he will not feel happy, or neighborly, or any other way, as there are no feelings in Lawrence Johnson. Returning to the discussion for this episode, I am starting from the premise that consciousness is a physical phenomenon because it is a phenomenon and there no, are no other kinds. But it is unique in that outside of our own instantiations, our own personal knowledge, consciousness is undiscoverable. If I were not conscious and no one else were, we would have no way of finding consciousness in the universe where it does occur. Consciousness is a property of physical systems of certain kinds. For the panpsychist, it is everywhere, a very common property in our universe. I am not a panpsychist. But the question remains, how common is consciousness in our universe? I have tried to establish that consciousness is necessarily a physical phenomenon. Our universe is very large, with billions of galaxies and trillions of stars, and many more planets than that. That's a lot of physics. A separate and more usual question is, how much life is there in the universe? Or how much intelligent life 
is there in the universe. Here's where the two inquiries intersect. As a neuroscientist, it is clear to me that consciousness like ours is a product of specialized brains. So the vast majority of life on Earth is non-conscious. We can assume that yeasts and plants and paramecia are non-conscious. They don't even have the rudiments of a nervous system, let alone a specialized brain. The human brain is the only structure we know of to produce consciousness, but I've already pointed out that we have no way of detecting consciousness in others. That certainly does not count as evidence against consciousness in other animals, though. Since consciousness presumably occurs in a subset of large biological organisms, does that imply that it only occurs in biological systems? It's a physical thing, right? So couldn't it occur in non-biological physical systems so long as they were constructed correctly? Of course. Do those non-biological conscious systems occur in nature? Where should we look for them? According to my theoretical framework, the Temporally Integrated Causality Landscape, TICL, consciousness is a causal structure. But this does not mean that causality itself is conscious. Causality is a phenomenon which depends on time. I have postulated a framework for temporally integrated causality which will differentiate between conscious structures and non-conscious structures. The reason this is necessary is because the brain's thalamocortical system seems to be capable of producing a conscious mind when it functions during wakefulness and dreaming, but not during states like non-REM sleep and under the influence of general anesthesia. Contrastive analysis shows that conscious states are different from non-conscious states in terms of global widespread integration of neuronal activities. This implies that consciousness of our kind, the kind we start from wanting to explain when we ask, what am I, is a large integrated structure of causality. The TICL and integrated information theory have a lot in common, but I think that TICL is a leap forward from IIT. This is taken directly from my 2020 paper on the TICL. Quote, according to the Temporally Integrated Causality Landscape, TICL, framework, consciousness is composed of contents that have meaning from the point of view of a single large system. Subsystems of integrated elements, thalamocortical neurons and neuronal groups, provide the substrate from which these conscious contents emerge. Subsystems have a level of temporally integrated causality that is higher than that of the system. Thus, the temporally integrated causality for the whole system provides a threshold for meaning. All subsystems are components of a larger system from which the conscious whole emerges. The contents have meaning in accordance with their particular relationship to one another from a larger point of view. The conscious experience exists, but it does not exist to itself. The contents of consciousness exist to the system in which they occur. This is how they are unified into a single, dynamic experience but differentiated in their individual character, spatially and temporally. During a state of non-consciousness, integration is insufficient to establish the system. Without that, there is no point of view from which to evaluate any level of integrated activity occurring within a local network. Furthermore, conscious contents have their own spatial and temporal grains in accordance with the temporally integrated causality of the subsystem underlying them. Conscious experiences are dynamic compositions of contents. They are temporally continuous. So during non-consciousness, the propensity for elements to shift into down states prevents conscious experiences. I propose that the TICL is the full neural correlate of consciousness. Accordingly, the content-specific NCC is the temporally integrated causality of an individual subsystem." Unquote. I believe that this integration occurs in time. 
that time is the key dimension to explaining consciousness, but I have found a recent argument which proposes an alternative, and I'm inclined to give it some consideration here. A paper was published last year by John Joe McFadden. The title is Integrating Information in the Brain's EM Field, the Semi-Field Theory of Consciousness. McFadden writes the following abstract, quote, a key aspect of consciousness is that it represents bound or integrated information, prompting an increasing conviction that the physical substrate of consciousness must be capable of encoding integrated information in the brain. However, as Ralph Landauer insisted, information is physical, so integrated information must be physically integrated. I argue here that nearly all examples of so-called integrated information, including neuronal information processing and conventional computing, are only temporally integrated in the sense that outputs are correlated with multiple inputs. The information integration is implemented in time rather than space and thereby cannot correspond to physically integrated information. I point out that only energy fields are capable of integrating information in space. I describe the conscious electromagnetic information, semi, field theory, which has proposed that consciousness is physically integrated and causally active. Information encoded in the brain's global electromagnetic field. I here extend the theory to argue that consciousness implements algorithms in space rather than time within the brain's EM field. I describe how the semi-field theory accounts for most observed features of consciousness and describe recent experimental support for the theory. I also describe several untested predictions of the theory and discuss its implications for the design of artificial consciousness. The semi-field theory proposes a scientific dualism that is rooted in the difference between matter and energy rather than matter and spirit." Unquote. In a future episode, perhaps the next one, I'll try to evaluate some of the key arguments of the paper to see if it holds up to scrutiny, from my perspective. McFadden says that, since information is physical, integration of information must involve a physically integrated substrate. He argues that it must be physically integrated across space at a common moment in time. Furthermore, if it is to function, it must change something physical. He argues in favor of the semi-field against integrated information that is causally integrated over time, but not space. McFadden makes this argument, quote, if physical connectedness was sufficient for consciousness, then we would be aware of all the information encoded in our entire body at all times. Neural networks on their own cannot be responsible for physically integrating conscious information because like integrated circuits, they integrate information only temporally, not physically." Unquote. And he says, quote, There are, however, physical systems that encode information integrated over space in a single moment of time. We know this form of information as force fields. The most obvious is the gravitational field that at any point on the Earth's surface provides a force that effectively integrates the magnitude and distribution of local masses such as those of the Earth, Moon, and Sun. Similarly, the EM field at any point in space represents an integration of information concerning the type, distribution, and motion of local charges. In contrast to the temporal integration described above, force fields physically integrate complex information that may be simultaneously downloaded from any point in the field. This is apparent to anyone who views a TV show that has been transmitted from a single transmitter to their smartphone alongside a thousand other people who may simultaneously view the same program on their phones in a thousand different locations. Moreover, an EM field can, like an integrated circuit, compute. Consider, for example, the arrangement of iron filings sprinkled over a magnet. 
A conventional computer could calculate their configuration by inputting the initial random configurations of the filings into an algorithm that implements either Maxwell's equations or the equations of quantum electrodynamics to output their final equilibrium configuration. Yet the EM field at each point in space, generated by the electron spin of iron atoms within the magnet, instantly computes this solution. In this sense, the field represents an algorithm in space rather than the algorithms in time that are implemented by Turing machines. And most importantly, the information involved in the computation is simultaneously available in the space of the magnet and its surroundings. It is spatially rather than temporally integrated information. The EM field's information is complex information that is physically bound." Unquote. Finally, McFadden writes, quote, Note, however, and very importantly, that in contrast to temporally integrated information, an algorithm in space can function only when its computational nodes fire synchronously so that their inputs are simultaneously available to all the components of the network. Therefore, a key prediction of the proposal that consciousness is distributed EM field-based algorithms is that conscious information will be correlated with synchronously firing neurons." Unquote. It would appear that the semi-field theory integrated information theory and my own TICL theory all agree that consciousness is some kind of physical property of integrated information or cause-effect power. The differences are important for my inquiry today though. If integrated information theory is correct as described, then we should expect to see consciousness wherever there is any amount of integrated information. This implies that consciousness is very common, but allows that human consciousness is especially informative because of how integrated the brain's thalamic cortex is. This is one of the reasons I am not sold on IIT. It would allow islands of conscious being inside a single brain, because many local circuits in the brain are integrated on some level, even those outside of the thalamocortical system or occurring during states of non-consciousness. By contrast, if the TICL is correct, then consciousness should not occur unless an integrated structure is large enough to have dynamic subsystems within it. Thus, consciousness is a more global phenomenon, according to the TICL. This would mean that only complex nervous systems or other biological networks should exhibit consciousness. If the semi-field theory is right, what then? I don't know. McFadden doesn't seem to be claiming that every electromagnetic field is an instance of consciousness, any more than I am claiming that every action potential or synapse is. For me, a larger structure emerges and has consciousness because of the integration of causal events within it. If it is an integrated structure of EM fields, maybe fields within fields that McFadden is talking about, and that doesn't have to be much different from my own theory. The difference is in what we assume to be doing the causation. Neuronal firing or electromagnetic fields, maybe both are part of the integrated structure. I intend to be looking very deeply into this interesting proposal for the semi-field. I'll go into it in more detail in a later episode, I think. Here, the question I posited was, how common should we expect consciousness to be occurring in the universe, and where should we expect to find it? As long as we don't have an established physical theory of consciousness, we don't know. My bias is toward conservatism on this issue, but there is a critical way in which I might be wrong. If the kind of consciousness emergent from the human brain is dependent on a bunch of support processes like working memory, attention, a sense of self, and the capacity for motivation, then much of what we assign to the mystery of consciousness might be incorrect. It might be a human cognitive capacity interacting with consciousness. Maybe consciousness all by itself, stripped of thinking and reason, emotions, language, and attention, 
maybe primary consciousness, is so subtle and fundamental, so universal, as to be almost nothing at all. Perhaps some version of panpsychism is right, but if not, our best bet for finding consciousness in the universe is to search for life on other planets. And if not life, then some other form of matter or energy arranged to allow for the integration of causality. Surely we can imagine the mycelium of some fungus creating an integrated communication network that might exhibit consciousness. Maybe such a thing occurs right now beneath the forest floor. But that, after all, is life, and we already know that life can be conscious. What else is out there in the universe that might be unliving but conscious? Most of what is out there, planets and nebulae and moons and stars, these are really just collections of matter. Their effects, be they gravitation or nuclear fusion like we see in stars, appear to me to be reducible to the sum of their parts. Consciousness is something emergent. I don't expect to find consciousness in a planet or a star any more than I expect to find it in a soccer ball. But then again, loneliness can lead to all manner of strange convictions. People posit ever-present gods, guardian angels, and ancestral spirits. They imagine an afterlife in which to rejoin those loved ones who have passed away. Under the right, or perhaps wrong, circumstances, men have been known to conjure up inner lives for such foolish things as soccer balls. I'm lonely, but not yet that lonely. Thank you.